You are now tuned in to Conscientization 101, an online magazine combining reflection, music, and action through independent media. In America, the capitalist system not only makes the people stupid, but keeps them arrogant in their stupidity. This stupidity in the country, this calculated stupidity, affects the African masses more because they read even less than the others. And they need to read more than the others. Our people suffer because they lack knowledge. At this stage of human development, one of the best ways to acquire knowledge indirectly is through reading. This new book, man. Yo, this shit is so deep, yo. Shit got my mind thinking about a whole new other format, man. You know what I'm saying? Fuck a book, man. The book is fucking your head up, man. Yo, when's the last time you read anything, man? Never, motherfucker. Too many books, like your jeans through your face Chat shit, act thick, practice your backflip Put your motherfucking arse out from the cameras Provide the entertainment for your coachable betters Men of letters think we could only be smart if they let us No knowledge ain't for punks, they market it like it is Cause who the fuck wants to be cotton from fresh prints But geeks design the systems, the visions, the politicians Malthus and the Smiths, we're living in their vision So knowledge is power for devouring cowards It showered you with propaganda each and every hour That's why Malcolm never died just another tug on the road, a symbol over the globe Cause did you know, the most rebellious thing you can do Is get educated, forget what they told you in school Get educated, I ain't saying play by the rules Get educated, get educated, get educated, get educated Break the chains of their enslavement Get educated, even if you're on the pavement Get educated, what a weapon that your brain is Get educated, get educated Okay, welcome everybody to another episode of Conscientization 101 podcast. On this episode, we will be airing part two of our interview with the authors of Catastrophism, the Apocalyptic Politics of Collapse and Rebirth. We will be talking to Sasha Lilly and James Davis. Sasha Lilly is a writer and radio broadcaster. She is the author of Capital and its Discontents Conversations with Radical Thinkers in a Time of Tumult, series editor of PM Press's Political Economy Imprint, Spectre, and host of Against the Grain, the program of Radical Ideas. James Davis is an Irish writer and filmmaker based in California. His documentary films include Meeting Room, Safety Orange, and Autonomy and a Song. He is a contributor to Confronting Capitalism, Dispatches from a global movement. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, this is your boy James Stone, aka the Destiny Dream Iconoclast. You know what I'm talking about. Um, oh yeah, this is Ari Sundiata. Yes, you, you see how it works in the studio. This is this is like live, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> live, not live, because we're recording it, right? But um, this uh, interview took place when we were in the Bay Area. This, like you said, part two. This was uh, the next day after we had uh, interviewed Eddie Ewan. We happened to be in the KPFA studios in Berkeley. And um, we um, 
talked about uh, Sasha Lilly and James Davis's piece. What's the name of those pieces? Sorry. Yes. Sasha's part. Her contribution was called Great Chaos Under Heaven, Catastrophism and the Left. And James Davis wrote At War with the Future, Catastrophism and the Right. Yeah, so this was a great dialogue. This dialogue we had, it uh it clocked in like right at 90 minutes. It was it was a good dialogue. Yeah, we was having fun, we was having, we was engaged in biological learning, you know what I'm saying? And again, one of the key tenets of catastrophism, just in case you don't remember, it's like catastrophism, you know, pretty much tries to rule with fear and you know this great cataclysmic stuff is gonna this great catastrophe is gonna wipe everything out so don't be scared and fear and they're like no 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 man we know that shit ain't gonna work mm-hmm. it's only gonna come through conscientization you know what i'm saying only through conscientization you know what i mean so you have to mix that theory that reflection with action you know what i'm saying it's kind of like you know people like to say you know i'm conscious right that's really cute I think that's cute. I mean, that's good because you can only act. The mind can only act. The person can only act. The mind is a part of the body. It's not like mind and body, right? If I cut your brain out, your ass ain't going to be alive, all right? <laughs> Let's just be real with it, all right? Nah, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, saying people say, no, the mind and then it's the body. Mind over matter. Mind over matter. But your mind, mind is matter. made up of matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So there's no such thing as mind over matter. But the thing about it is, is the thing about it is when you have reflection and theory because you can only act based on what you know right but just because you know something doesn't mean you're gonna act on it right for instance everybody know that the police shoots african people all over the world you know what i'm saying the police shoot everybody but when they catch them african bonus oh shit <laughs> bonus points make me think about the starting <laughs> up of the great united states of america it also makes me think of the time when we got those Nignons out of Africa and we put them in Britain and we shipped them all over the world and we raised ourselves out of the plague, the Black Plague all over Europe, right? That's, you know what I'm saying? Y'all got to remember the Americans, right? Americans are Anglo-Saxons, they are yeah. British. My point is, my, my, <laughs> I digress, right? But the point is, it does not mean because you know that information that you are going to act. A lot of people will say, well, yeah, I know they shoot they shoot us down, but what can we do? You see what I'm saying? Just because you have information does not mean you're going to act. That's why it does need to be conscientization. So I don't want to hear nobody coming up to me with some... some. I got somebody came up to me about some statistic about how they don't play black people on the internet, black people on, like, say, uh, 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 on the TV. They only wanted to represent us in this. I said, well, damn, man. Well, damn, that's why you... What, what show have you produced? Are you... Produce a show. Oh, uh, what you say? I said, this show you, you you know they don't do this to us. It's just like you know, think about like the the, the music we feature, independent music, you know, hip hop and stuff like that, right? Obviously, just because they don't want to hear nobody talking about like free Palestine, they don't want to hear nobody talking about you know, no musician talking about Africa, they don't want to hear nobody no no artists talking about um you know in Google One Thongo, you know the creativity of like. Read a book like the you read a book like uh, 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 Devil on the Cross, and then mix that in with the Thieves Banquets. That's the collar right there. They don't want to hear that. Just because they don't want to hear that, don't mean you don't produce it. Yes. I don't want to get too like you, you know, waiting on a sponsor. You waiting on a sponsor? I don't want to. get Let me put it to you. I'm gonna say something to y'all right quick. But when we gonna get into this great, wonderful dialogue we did with Sasha and James, 
and it was like I said 90 minutes you know how you do subscribe but this, this is the thing y'all need to remember and this is just remember labor labor is not subservient to capital it's not dependent on capital capital is subservient and dependent on labor now I know the philosophy the education all the pedagogy and everything around that teaches us religion that's the superstructure teaches us that you can't do nothing without no money well if that was the case Africans would be dead all around the I world because we ain't right. never had no money <laughs> we'd be gone we'd be gone <laughs> so you go you know, they, they make you dependent let me tell you something about you know the thing about colonialism and enslavement colonialism and slavery is the same thing they just use that to divide Africans into uh, what they call the diaspora. Africans over here, the Africans on the continent. See, y'all had colonialism and over there y'all had slavery. Let me tell you something, that's bullshit. It's the same thing. Flip them, flip them up, flip them, flop them, do what you need to do. But let me tell you something. They make the colonial subject, the enslaved African, they make you think you, you need your colonial master. But it's them who are dependent on you. Think about it, they're the parasites. It's, they need you. Let me put it to you like this. If you got rid of the slave master, guess what the, guess what the slaves would do on, on the plantation? Shit, the land is still there. I still grow me some green, collard greens and everything. But guess what? The master make you think you need him, but you growing all the food. That's why consciousness is important. But what you need to have is conscientization where you put that theory, that know-how, what you know and take action. And that is some of the things we talk about in this interview with uh, Sasha Lilly and James Davis. I've talked too much, Zardy. Is there anything else you want to add before we get into this interview with uh, Sasha Lilly and James Davis on their pieces they wrote in the book, Catastrophism? Anything else you want to add? Well, yeah, I wanted to say that the, the titles are quite appropriate and we try to incorporate um, the titles of the, each of their pieces. We try to incorporate what they talk about, the, the essence of like the different tendencies mm -hmm. of catastrophism mm -hmm. in the left and the right. Yes. So, you know, that way you can really understand their, their thesis and, and you can kind of look at the world now and you'll be able to pick it out because it is everywhere. That whole ideology of catastrophism, you'll be able to pick it out and you won't be living in mysticism anymore. And, you know, you'll be able to just see it. It'll be very clear, you know. So that's the whole point of this interview. And that's all I had to say. <laughs> thank you, Zari, for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real, thank you for that. For sure. You know what I'm talking about? Conscientization, baby. But, <laughs> but that's what it is. That's exactly. what it is, conscientization, right? But um, this is part two of the Catastrophism series here on Conscientization 101. And without further ado, we're going to get into it with Sasha Lilly Sasha and James Davis. Sasha and James Davis. We want to jump right into uh, some questions around the book. And uh, the first question is, uh, Sasha, in the introduction to catastrophism, you state that, quote, catastrophism presumes that society is headed for a collapse, whether economic, ecological, social or spiritual. This collapse is frequently but not always regarded as a great cleansing, as a great cleansing out of which a new society will be born, unquote. When we first learned uh, of this book, one of the things we we said to ourselves is like, yo, this is definitely the ideology that like liberals and supposed radicals, when we put that in quote radicals, epitomize because they don't have anything, they, they don't have to do anything but just sit up and wait for the great tabula rasa event. It'll just come for them. Never mind, as you quite accurately state, um, uh, 
quote, a focus on spectacular catastrophes typically overlooks the prosaic uh, catastrophes of everyday life that are the sediment upon which capitalism is constructed, unquote. Would you all, as the authors of this book, say that uh, catastrophism is an obstacle to building radical movement movements because it rests upon a pedestal of fear and lack of conscientization or critical consciousness? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I think that catastrophism, which one can find uh, all over the spectrum, but for us, of course, is a much more of a concern on the left because we actually care about a radical project and, and you know, it's... Uh, viability. Um, catastrophism is really premised on the, the weakness of uh, the left and the, the kind of notion that we are weak and that the only way that we can get other people to join us and become politicized, and politicization is kind of a central um, concept in all of this, is by using fear in some way to scare people into action. That's one aspect of catastrophism. And then, and as you say, kind of in its most extreme forms, there's a notion, and I'd say it's a really sort of passive notion, that uh, in some ways we don't have to do much, uh, that we just need to sort of wait for the collapse and hope for a collapse and maybe facilitate the collapse in some way, in some cases, and then something good will come out of that. And so, so it's a massively pessimistic uh, notion about what's possible and specifically what we're capable of uh, in, in transforming society for the better. Yeah, um, I mean, I agree from the perspective of the left uh, to what Sasha's saying. I think from the perspective of the right, which is what I kind of write about, I, I write about, uh, you know, catastrophism on the right and, and from the perspective of the state mm-hmm. in the book. And I think from those perspectives, um, it's a much more positive <laughs> kind of uh, kind of political conception, right? Because it's very closely related to ideas around fear and pessimism, and uh, you know what do we need to be afraid of? What's out there? Um, you know that's that's deeply threatening. That's a mortal threat to us. And from that, of course, comes very easily authoritarian solutions mm-hmm. and scapegoating and victimization and stuff like that, which is the bread and butter of the right and oftentimes also of the state. So, yeah, so while, you know, catastrophism can mean the same thing, conceptually on the right and the left, for the right, it's very much a kind of a building block in their political project, whereas we find that it's largely a kind of an obstacle for the left. Exactly. I know you said that in your piece at War with the Future, Catastrophism in the Right, which buttresses the reality that catastrophism is a tool of the right. You say, quote, catastrophe itself takes on two forms and right wing imagination. The first is that catastrophe is the inevitable ongoing result of any gains by the left. The second version of this ideology expounds a catastrophist anecdote whereby enemies are confronted and vanquished in a final apocalyptic conflagration through race war, insurrection, Armageddon, civil war, or in its purest form, biblical apocalypse and rapture, unquote. If you can elaborate on this and also make the connection between the two forms of catastrophic right-wing imagination and how they are related to the terrorist attacks of Anders Breivik in like Oslo in 2010, mm-hmm which left 78 people dead, um, and just kind of the connection between that and the whole Eurabia. Okay. Uh, 
you know, hysteria. <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> right, phenomenon. So, so um, you know, I think Islamophobia has become probably the unifying theme, you know, for the global right, mm-hmm. at least for like the, the global right in our world, in the Western world, North America, um, Europe and like Australia, whatever. Uh, and so there's a book from from the early 90s called <clears throat> Arabia, which is this sort of conspiracy theory about deals that were made in the 70s between the EU and OPEC, essentially, the, the kind of Islamic petro-states. Mm-hmm. And, and the theory is written by this woman, Bat Yor, who's a kind of an Anglo-Egyptian intellectual. And the theory was that so as to neutralize the power of the US in Europe, <clears throat> uh, sort of French elites decided, well, let's make a deal with the Arabs. Let's make a deal with the Muslims. And that way we can kind of triangulate ourselves and gain some leverage uh, in European politics. Um, and so, so this is the root of this idea that the EU has, there's a sort of a secret cabal in the EU who are doing business kind of behind closed doors, behind the drawn curtain with, uh, with the Islamic states. And one of the consequences of that is the Islamization of Europe. This is part of the whole idea, <laughs> right? And so, so increasing levels of <clears throat> Islam, Muslim immigration to Europe are part of the strategy. And so, you know, when you see in certain parts of France there are 8 or 10 percent uh, Muslims living, living in the country, this is kind of like how it's explained, mm. not through a history of French colonialism totally, in North yes. Africa or you Algeria, know, yeah. Precisely, or, you know, other, there are many, many explanations for the changing demographics in Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think we need to kind of reach for um, <laughs> some kind of weird conspiracy <laughs> that, that completely elides, for example, the role of the Soviet Union at the time. It doesn't mention the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. which is extraordinary when you think the only reason for this big alliance between European elites and the Americans in the 1970s was because European elites mm-hmm. in Western Europe had one eye on so, the Red Army. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't, that, doesn't, that reality kind of doesn't suit the conspiracy, so it's ignored. <laughs> but, but so at its root, it's this idea that inherent in Islam, central to Islam as a philosophy, is expansionism and kind of an imperialism. Mm-hmm. And there's no difference between mm-hmm. the religion, like as practiced in the mosque, and the state or politics. Mm-hmm. But these two, there's no daylight between them. And so part of this kind of like Islamic expansionism is to uh, take over Europe. And so from Amer- and so of course this stuff, written as it is in Europe, is largely designed for a sort of an American audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. many of the writers who, um, Melanie Phillips is another writer who gets into this stuff. She was a journalist in the UK. Um, m- many of these writers like, you know, have published in the, U- in the US and, you know, do a lot of their think tank work here and this kind of thing. And a lot of it is this kind of odd construction that Europe is weak. Why is Europe weak? Europe is weak because of gay rights. (laughs) Europe is weak because of so-called multiculturalism. (laughs) Europe is weak because of social democracy, trade Mm -hmm. unions. Mm -hmm. All the stuff we associate with kind of liberal social democracy are are what Islam is using to vanquish Europe. Mm. Meaning that the absence of those things in the United States is what American is why America's strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a kind of a funny construction, but it makes sense, right? So yeah. 
Islamophobia is related in this way to like the you know the ruling ideas and the competition within those ruling ideas between uh, of the of the of the social deals in the U.S. and a contrasting but different social deal in Europe, right? A social deal in Europe that's influenced by multiculturalism or trade unions or something like this is weaker, makes you more vulnerable to Islamization, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so, that, so that's the root of that. And I think one of the consequences of it is this very, very intense level of Islamophobia that you see in Europe among the right. And oftentimes, of course, it's at the margin, at the radical right, that perhaps doesn't have a whole lot of following. But at times you see this stuff come completely center stage. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe two election seconds ago in France, also the last election that Tony Blair fought in the UK, these sort of mainstream, oftentimes labor-oriented or left-wing politicians were going after multiculturalism. Mm-hmm. So what's multiculturalism? This idea that like that society is made up of different groups and those groups have an integrity which they you know, should hold on to and that should be supported by the state or whatever. Mm-hmm. Rather than this melting pot idea in the US that everybody becomes an American right. and all Americans are the same. That's right. like this, right? right. And, uh, yeah, and so, <laughs> so, you know, so, so it's, related, it's related to those things and of course, at one level, at a very important level, it's, uh, it challenges the idea that multiculturalism is legitimate. Multiculturalism makes us stronger. No, in fact, it makes us weaker and makes us vulnerable to attack by the Muslims, mm-hmm. right? So, and Andrews Breivik is one of these guys who, who's a Norwegian guy, kind of misfit, you know, odd guy who bought into these ideas and was a big student of them and was very, very kind of compelled by them. And he, you know, set out on this act, a sort of solo uh, terror act and, and killed dozens of people in Norway attacked. And uh, his target, interestingly, wasn't, even though his compulsion was the Islamization of Norway, his target was teenage social democrats. Mm-hmm. So young socialists and members of the, of the Social Democratic Party. Um, and, he, you know, they were at a summer camp and he went after them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he killed dozens of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like in the, in the book, uh, in, in your piece, you were talking about, like, this nostalgic for, like, cars and... Stuff like it really sounds like some stuff they talk about, like when everybody wants to go back to the fifties or something. Yeah, like well, it is because I mean, I mean, it is the fifties. These places, like you know, Norway, Sweden, Denmark to a lesser extent, but certainly Scandinavian countries, Finland. You know, there were very, very few people who didn't come from a kind of ethnic Protestant, white. Finnish or Norwegian background until relatively recently. Mm. And so now we've seen more and more Africans, more and more Middle Easterners mm-hmm. um, showing up mm-hmm. in these places and having families and the kids are in schools. And so the, the society has changed and that's a big transition mm-hmm. for people. Um, and, I, you know, it's another one of these areas that's tricky to talk about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's tricky to kind of acknowledge the tensions that that stuff produces that aren't necessarily just sort of racist, crazy right-wing stuff, mm-hmm. but that are also like, hey, uh, this is different. You know, like, well, yeah. what's, you know, you know, what about, like, my childhood was so different to the childhood we see. And, and oftentimes it's, those anxieties are not acknowledged by, you know, liberals, by radicals, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But the right They'll do- are, are conceded that space. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. and so and so they define it, 
they're the ones who it's all spoken about in terms of anxieties yes mm-hmm. it's all spoken about in terms of what we're losing mm-hmm. right um, and so you know I think I think while Breivik is an extreme example it's uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty compelling kind of problem that it raises for us you know Wake up in the morning, brush your teeth Wash off your face, rush to get the bus Making your way to the rat race Some take the metal slave ship That travels underground Just to sit behind a desk while the owner's never around Some of the real rats swallow their nose And gather cheese, geez Sometimes wear suits, ain't never in the streets Getting fat off the average man's back Who lacks perseverance Stare in the mirror to get your clearance Drone dummy, your quest for money's got you lopsided Red eye, like the Terminator The ghetto's divided, ain't no coming back from headshots To get the guapa, yo the children are the future, the elders losing the plot Are you the puppet or the puppeteer? Good with the pen or with the sword like a musketeer Fist in the air, while you're waiting for the week to end They end the week, many lie to themselves my friend The pain is deep, you follow tabloids and movie scripts They play the role, it's evident that they hold the strings To your soul we stay dying while the enemy's powers are multiplying The pressure for us to live in this bitch is petrifying Following tabloids and movie scripts They play the role, it's evident that they hold the strings To your soul, paint a Picture with no paint, poetry's powerful. Personally, I'm no saint, but never doubtable, accountable when the insight's magical. On the rhythm, take your mind away from the daily pain that we're given. A bit of pill to swallow, seeing grown individuals plummet with full potential. Never got to reach their summit to change a routine is vigorous. The destination seems so far away. Itself that keeps the glory at bay. 60% of the time, 40s ahead of the rhyme. You're still relying on gin instead of taking back your mind. Devils come in plain clothes. I see them coming to my shows on the road. In your place of work or where the money flows Where there's bat to eat See them talk you out your food Not everyone's a friend Stay in point and never confuse Are you the puppet or the puppeteer? Good with the pen or with the sword Like a musketeer Fist in the air While you're waiting for the week to end They end the week Many lie to themselves My friend, the pain is deep You follow tabloids and movie scripts They play the role It's evident that they hold the strings To your soul we stay dying While the enemy's powers are multiplying The pressure for us to live in this bitch Is petrifying Following tabloids the movie scripts that play the role is evident that they hold the strings to your soul. All right, all right. That was Cyclonius with The Fear, and you just heard the first part of the interview with Sasha Lilly and James Davis. I told y'all, right? I told you. That's why I talked so much in the beginning. Nah, but um, we're going to get back into the interview, and we're going to start off with uh, getting back into the interview with a question that I posed to both Sasha and James. I was talking about how... Capitalism draws its dynamism, you know what I'm saying, from its ability to de-emphasize structure. And um, and one of the things capitalism also does is emphasize the symptoms or details to confuse people's thinking 
in order to create fear. And before I go on, you know, with that, let me just say this. I'm tired of hearing people talk about corporate greed. We live in capitalism, okay? The incentive behind capitalism is the profit motive. So when you say, ah, oh, man, they're just so greedy. No, they're just so capitalist. Let's know the system, okay? Let's, let's stop mystifying everything and going with the oogity boogity. Stop that. You need to understand we live in a social system. We don't live in, oh, man, I don't know why things happen. Let me pray. If you pray, I ain't against it. Pray, pray, pray. I use hip hop. Sometimes I'm feeling bad. I put on Life's a Hustle. I put on Black and River. I use hip hop. You know, but if you have a spirituality, use a spirituality. But understand, use that as a motivation to do something about the material world. It ain't just, oh my God, corporate greed. What? It's a corporation created out of capitalism. Come on now. Let's think about that. Let, uh, I, I'm okay. Anyway, but one of the things we're talking about capitalism is dynamism, and it tells people to look at the details. Look, look there. Now don't look here. Look at the look at the Negroes. Don't look at me. Look at our borders. Don't look at me, Steely. Put my hand up your ass, right? Um. So I asked them, like, could they discuss the state, the state, the state, not the state of Texas, the state, the organized polity that uses coercion, right? You know what I'm saying? A lot of times, we, let's talk about the state. I'm going to make it real simple. You know, uh, uh, we saw Trayvon Martin, right? You know what I'm saying? We saw Trayvon Martin get shot, you know, George Zimmerman. Let me tell you something. It was the state that said it was the, they ruled that he was innocent, right? And how come the Africans and other people that were rightfully like, man, that's some bullshit. How come they didn't say, well, man, we're going to go get that motherfucker, man? A lot of motherfuckers said that. But anyway, <laughs> they was going to go get that motherfucker. But why couldn't we successfully get the motherfucker, right? Because it's the state. The state had the guns. It's organized coercion. You try to do something, the state and police organized. They don't mobilize like no Occupy Wall Street, bitch, please. They organize. The police organize. The police, shoot, they can mobilize in five seconds. And y'all want to sit out there and hold some signs up in there. But I asked, but getting back to what I said, I asked them the state's ability to create panic and fear strengthens. It strengthens their ability to push forth xenophobic policies and how de-emphasizing structures and emphasizing symptoms how this all allows for people to accept their domination of society based on the basis of Tina y'all remember Tina if you don't you need to go check out Eddie you remember Tina there is no alternative you know what they're trying to do is ram through our minds that this is the best they have to offer this is neoliberalism at its finest this is all we can do. This is how, they want you to have lowered expectations. It's just like when people say, oh no, we have come a long way from slavery. I'm like, I didn't come to America as a slave. That's the problem when they always refer to African people as the slaves. You have to enslave a people. Nobody is born a slave. So no, we ain't quote unquote chattel slaves no more. But guess what? I have not been returned to where I returned to the status before my people came to this polity, to this part of the hemisphere, which was a sovereign people. So you ain't gonna run that Tina shit with me. I want that Marcus Garvey freedom. Without further ado, before I can go on and on and on and on and on to the break of break of dawn, we're gonna get back into the interview. Sasha Lilly, James Davis, Conscientization 101.
I guess let me start with Tina and then uh, Jim can pick up um, the part about the state because that's the part he writes more Mm -hmm. extensively about in the book. Um, I think there is um, something going on which which is very historical, very historically specific um, over the last several decades, which has been really a, a time of the decline of the left. Um, in North America and Europe. And, and we should say that our book is not an attempt to talk about the whole global South. This is very much about the global North. Um, and um, in the wake of those defeats, the, the defeats that really happened after the kind of flourishing of social movements in the 1960s, labor struggles, all sorts of really radical stuff happened in, in that period. Um, and not that there haven't been radical upheavals since then, but the general trajectory for the left has been one that has been um, one of, of, of defeats and sort of um, being pushed back. So within that time period, um, one could say there's sort of been a retreat of, and I use this term in the in the broadest sense of the word, kind of the utopian imagination, this notion that we could radically transform society for the better. Um, but people have kind of moved away from that as a real product of these political defeats. It isn't just something shifted ideologically, but actually it's a, a politi- the kind of fruit of the defeat of political struggles. So out of that, um, one gets uh, has a, a kind of politics coming from the state about the need to impose more and more draconian economic policies, for example, um, under this notion of Tina or there is no alternative. And in many ways, I would say that the left has absorbed some of that too, mm-hmm. um, thinking there aren't alternatives as well. So we kind of have to narrow our horizons, um, aspire to much, much less, really kind of uh, give up on the notion of wild uh, sort of broad transformation of society. Um, I would say actually to the, <laughs> I don't know if it's to their credit, but it, it is interesting with catastrophism that people who embrace the notion of, of uh, change coming out of a, a large catastrophe, they're hoping for a large-scale transformation in some respects. They just see it coming out of the most apocalyptic, most um, sort of unimaginable, imaginably bad scenario um, as uh, uh, to kind of, uh, to, to, there's a, a phrase that is attributed to Frederick Jameson, which is, it's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism. Mm. And that really is kind of at the heart of a lot of these notions. So that is the kind of political social context in which I, um, I think catastrophism has gotten more and more hold in in the past decades, one where the state is really pushing this notion of no alternatives and that the left is basically accepting it. And then on some level, there are those who might think, well, maybe there would be possibility, but it's really hard to conceive. And in some ways, again, it would be easier for us to imagine the end times than mm-hmm. for us to really transform society for the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I could go back. I didn't answer fully the last question. So there are two forms that you'd spoken about, and I think I can tie this to your question. Um, And the first, the Breivik example, uh, the Oklahoma City bombing is another example like that. Mm -hmm. Same thing, right? It's like, oh, we'll kick off the race war by Mm -hmm. blowing up a federal building or whatever. And, And through this race war, then we'll get to like a white state again. You know what I mean? Like back to some... Something that never really existed, right. interestingly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's like a return to... Imagination. The, yeah, there you go. exactly. Um, but, but so the other side, so that's, that's what uh, 
what I refer to in the book as cure catastrophism. In other words, you can you can instigate the war. You know what I mean? And like, and a group, a cell, or an individual, but you know, more often, like a group of sort of right wing revolutionaries will, you know, get you know create in, in you know organize some kind of event mm-hmm. that will lead to. Ultimately, it becomes this catastrophic mm-hmm. event. The other side of which is white power or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Mm-hmm. An Islamic free Europe or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, the other side of that is this idea of disease catastrophism, which is the victories achieved by the left largely through the state, right? So from the right-wing perspective, the state itself is this vehicle for liberal progress, mm-hmm. right? The state is the thing that says, okay, gays can get married now, mm-hmm. for example. You know, and the state is the mechanism through which civil rights achieved in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and integration of schools and all these kind of like eight-hour eight hour days, you know, mm-hmm. five-day yeah. weeks, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> mm-hmm. All these yeah. kinds of things are achieved like through social movements exercising their power via the state. So while the state, of course, is captured in our perspective by capital and by the ruling class and so on as it is, it's also the, the sort of terrain of, of struggle, Right and and you know and this is where oftentimes our victories, uh, they're not our victories are not created there, but they become manifest there through right. legislation and through you know state institutions or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so the so so then the state becomes this very important kind of site uh, around which catastrophism can can play. And the state itself is an individual actor. It's not just subject to the whims of the right or the left mm-hmm. or something like this. The state's also the main player politically, right? So, um, so how does the state then, you know, use these ideas? How does the state use fear? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I mean, most obviously, state uses fear to go to war. Yeah, you need to scare the pants off people <laughs> to get them to sign up to like going and killing other people. Particularly, actually, to get individuals to buy into that. You know, you'll get a certain amount of people who like the idea, but to really mobilize the people behind. A project like that, you need to, you know, there needs to be a real downside for them. So in, in the case of the last, you know, war, it was in the case of um, of Iraq, it's weapons of mass destruction. It's like Tony Blair's line, they're two hours from a nuclear weapon, you know, launched to London. Mm-hmm. In other words, we're like 14 hours from Armageddon, you know. Um, so it's not just something that's terrifying, but it's actually just around the corner. Mm-hmm. It's like in our own lifetimes or sooner. Um that and so you see similar similar kind of like in the book I talk a lot about how from the margin on the right it's possible for so, so the right to insert kind of themes and ideas into mainstream politics via the state right mm-hmm. and so like the border is a good example of that right mm-hmm. right so you know there's an example using the book about like. Uh, you know, right-wing kind of broadcasters, Lou Dobbs in this case, talking about lepers, leprosy in the South, you know, (laughs) Uh like in Arizona or whatever, like Mexicans with leprosy Mm -hmm. sneaking across the border and infecting Americans. (laughs) That's Um, the whole point to this, to sneak across the border and infect Americans. Oh, I've got leprosy. (laughs) Off to America. There we go. There we go. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, so, so, uh, you know, so we have to be, we have to be, trained to be afraid of you know 
Southerners coming across the border at the Rio Grande, Mm -hmm. right? And we're trained to do that through very, very tortured link to terrorism. Mm -hmm. You know, Muslims could sneak over with Mexicans or whatever. Um, (laughs) Drugs. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. (laughs) And they they had some kind of drug ring with the Mexican government or something like that, or a cartel. Yeah. That's going on for (laughs) real. And you you find, like, stories stories in the right-wing media here about, like, Korans found. (laughs) No kidding. Uh, Yeah, Korans found in Arizona or whatever. uh, Yeah, I believe that. (laughs) So, so, you know, but what's that result then? Uh, the border patrol, border security, ICE, whatever, is now the biggest law, law enforcement agency yeah. oh, in yeah. the country. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. bigger than the FBI. It's bigger than like the prison, blah, blah, blah. You know, so that's an awful lot of money. That's an awful lot of power. That's a whole new state agency that's in- massive, that has incredible amounts of power and like literally hundreds of thousands of people making careers out of it mm-hmm. and tons of companies making loads of money mm-hmm. out of it, right? So mm-hmm. you can see like, the so... Here we have, like, right-wing paranoia about Mexicans sneaking across the border results in the space of 20 years to, tri- you know, tri- is it trillions? I don't know if it's trillions yet, but it's getting there. It's hundreds of billions of dollars mm-hmm. being, being, being spent on, on building walls and, you know, drones and, you know, all kinds of insane security stuff that's just socialism for wealthy people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, like... Jobs to the boys in uniform and, and votes for right wingers, you right, know? Right. The new age is upon us, and yet the past refuses to rest in its shallow grave. For those who hide behind the false image of the Son of Man shall stand before God, 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 God. It has been. Voice of racism preaching the gospel is devilish. A fake church called the prophet Muhammad a terrorist. Forgetting God is not religion, but a spiritual bond. And Jesus is the most quoted prophet in the Quran. They bombed innocent people trying to murder Saddam when you gave them those chemical weapons to go to war with Iran. This is the information that they hold back from Peter Jennings. Cause Condoleezza Rice is just a new age Sally Hemings. I break it down with critical language and spiritual anguish. The Judas are hanged with. The guilt of betraying Christ who murdered him, stole his religion, and painted him white. Translated in psychologically tainted philosophy, conservative political right wing ideology. Glued together sloppily, the blasphemy of a nation. Got my back to the wall, cause I'm facing assassination. Guantanamo Bay, federal incarceration. How could this be? The land of the free, home of the brave, indigenous Holocaust, and the home of the slaves. Corporate America, dancing offbeat to the rhythm. You really think this country never sponsored terrorism? Human rights violations, we continue the saga El Salvador and the Contras and Nicaragua And on top of that, you still want to take me to prison Just cause I won't trade humanity for peace
patriotism It's like MK Ultra controlling your brain Suggestive thinking causing your perspective to change They want to rearrange the whole point of view of the ghetto The fourth branch of the government wants to settle A bandana full of glittering generality Fighting for freedom and fighting terror But what's reality? Read about the history of the place that we live in And stop letting corporate news tell lies to your children Flow like the blood of Abraham Through the Jews and the Arabs Broken apart like a woman's heart Abused in the marriage The brink of holy war Bottled up like a miscarriage Embedded correspondence Don't tell the source of the tension And they refuse to even mention European intervention Or the massacres in Janine The innocent screams U.S. manufactured missiles And M16s Weapon contracts And corrupted American dreams Media censorship Blocking out the video screens A continent of oil kingdoms Bought for a bargain Democracy is just a word When the people are starving The average citizen Made to be blind to the reason A desert full of genocide Where the bodies are freezing And the world doesn't believe That you're fighting for freedom Cause you fucked the Middle East And gave birth to a demon It's open season With the CIA Bugging my crib Trapped in a ghetto region Like a Palestinian kid Where nobody gives a fuck Whether you die or you live I'm trying to give the truth And I know the price is my life But when I'm gone They'll sing a song about immortal technique Who beheaded the president And the princes and sheiks You don't give a fuck about us I can see through your facade Like a fallen angel Standing in the presence of God Bitch niggas scared of the truth When it looks at you hard It's like MK Ultra Controlling your brain Suggestive thinking Causing your perspective to change They wanna rearrange The whole point of view in a ghetto The fourth branch of the government Want us to settle A bandana full of glittering Generality Fighting for freedom And fighting terror But what's reality? Martial law is coming soon To the hood To kill you While you hanging your flag Out your project window Yeah The fourth branch of the government A.K.A. the media Seems to now have a retirement plan For ex-military officials As if their opinion was at all unbiased A machine shouldn't speak for men So shut the fuck up you mindless drone And you know it's serious When these same media outfits Are spending millions of dollars On a PR campaign To try to convince you They're fair and balanced When they're some of the most ignorant And racist people Giving that type of mentality a safe haven We act like we share in the spoils of war that they do We die in wars We don't get the contracts to make money off them afterwards We don't get weapons contracts, nigga We don't get cheap labor for our companies, nigga We are cheap labor, nigga Turn off the news and read, nigga Read That was Immortal Technique, his song, The Fourth Branch, from Revolutionary Volume 2. And, you know, at the end of that song, Immortal Technique says that turn off the news and read, right? And that shit is true because people watch the news and they read the newspaper and they think, I'm amateur. I'm, I'm informed. Like some kind of way, the newspaper, the media, the news is not biased. And then the news, just like James said, the news... James Stone that I kind of class said the news focuses on issues 
they will focus on a high-speed chase. They will focus on such and such got murdered. Well, let's talk about why all this shit is happening in the world. How about we get to the root of the fact that there are haves and have-nots, which is a constituent element of capitalism. You know, so if you read, you'll understand that. You need more in-depth analysis than just sound bites. You know, sound bites are not going to give you any information. You're not informed. You're just basically getting the knowledge that the ruling class wants you to have. And then you run around scared. <laughs> you run around scared. I mean, that's that's all they do. That's what the news is for. Such and such got raped. Such and such got killed. And then you like, oh my god, I can't go there. I might get raped. Oh my god. <laughs> you know? So anyway, I just wanted to add that because people really think they're informed when they watch the news. But the news is biased. Sorry, I know you think that's making you mature, but hey. Anyways, we will get back into the rest of the interview with Sasha Lilly and James Davis. Sasha, here we go. All right, we're <laughs> back to you. Up on the scene. In your piece, Great Chaos Under Under the Heavens, uh, Great Chaos Under the Heavens, that's Miles, you know, Catastrophism and the Left, you begin with this important statement. There is nothing eternal about capitalism. It came into being fairly recently and in all likelihood will be ushered out one day. So I guess everybody read that and say, oh, yes. <laughs> then you throw this in there. Yet the belief that it will come crashing down without protracted mass struggle is wishful thinking. Oh, Expecting predestined forces to transform society for the better forms one half of the couplet of left catastrophism, which has shaped the radical tradition for well over a century. The other consists of the idea that the worse things get, the more auspicious they become for radical prospects. That if economic conditions or political repression become dire, the scales will fall from the eyes of the misled masses, allowing them to put an end to a much greater catastrophe. I couldn't have summed it up even more. I probably would have used a couple of explicitives. That was really good. But uh, when with this in mind, and the many examples you provide of leftists who believe that revealing the true nature of the state through their adventurous actions will galvanize people to action. Uh, let's talk about the, their need to reveal the atrocities of the state. Who are they talk? Who are they targeting in these revelations, and to what end? Okay, so if I can just step back a little and and sort of elaborate on a couple of the things you said leading up to your question, and I promise I'll get to it, <laughs> is, um, so on the left, catastrophism has taken two forms. One is about uh, a, a kind of a passive expectation that capitalism will come collapsing down. So we hear that, uh, well, at the start of the 2008 crisis, there are some people saying, okay, here's our moment, and kind of, isn't this great? There was kind of a glee, right? Mm -hmm. A glee that mm -hmm. everything was unraveling. Of course, it didn't unravel. Um, I mean, it, it unraveled for for most of us, but in terms of capitalism yeah. as a system and for people who were capitalists, it actually uh, created a really um, auspicious time to be able to tighten the thumbscrews and put people out of work and so on, so that, you know, in the last reporting of corporate profits, corporate profits of the highest level they have ever been mm -hmm. in the United States mm -hmm. since record keeping began. So Damn, so wow. you know that <laughs> whole surprising. that whole notion that um, we can just sort of wait for the crash. That's that's one part of left catastrophism and that's what I call the determinist stuff. What you side of it. What you were asking me was about kind of um, the opposite, but they're actually linked and a lot of people who might subscribe to one kind of catastrophism 
oscillate to the other. So I'm not sort of setting these up as uh, mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. So the other kind, this voluntarist catastrophism, is based on this notion of the worse the better. The worse things get, the better they'll be for radical prospects. And it's something that um, we've heard a lot, although I would say since the 2008 crisis, we may be hearing a little less of it, at least in the economic form, because clearly things got really bad. Mm -hmm. And Although we've seen Occupy, we really haven't seen social movements on the kind of scale that people sustained social movements of the kind that people were hoping for. Because up until that point, you'd hear people say, oh, well, you know, Americans have it too easy. They have all these great consumer goods. If they just kind of had a, a nice, you know, hard economic crisis, people would, would get it finally. Um, it, you know, obviously didn't work out so well. Uh, so that form of left catastrophism um, based on, on the notion of the worse, the better. You can see in different forms. I just sort of described the economic form. There's also a political form, which is if we could just bring down the state um, hard on us, the true nature of the state will then be kind of laid bare for people and it will lead to mass politicization. And uh, so um, there's a if, if one were to take this notion to an extreme and I would I have to be clear that you know they're not that many people who would subscribe to a catastrophism of this extreme kind mm-hmm. but still there are some um, the, the notion is that we need maybe we should kind of provoke a clash as a way to lead others into a kind of a moment of revelation right mm-hmm. uh, and there is you know always often is a kind of quasi-religious something or other running through <laughs> this and and there's been a history of this. Um, if you look through the uh, history of the 20th century left, of people trying to provoke something where uh, a moment would allow people to sort of see things as they really are. Um, the weather underground in the United States at one point uh, was um, following this line. It came to an end. Uh, they were thinking of, of provoking a... Um, uh, a kind of moment um, by blowing up um, officers and their dates in a at a dance, and um, the people making the bombs ended up blowing themselves up. And I think at that point the organization realized they needed to step back and totally rethink what they were doing. Um, but so there's uh, there you can see that history um, through the 20th century of people either just hoping for the worst, the better, or actually actively acting to try and, quote, heighten the contradictions. And some of that can be seen with contemporary uh, insurrectionism, which takes an anarchist form and also a left communist form, a notion that we need to sort of intensify clashes with the police and that out of that moment, people will see the light. Um, But if you, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm not, um, just to be clear, I'm not arguing as I'm, Uh, making this argument against militant action Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of um, I think misguided assumptions about the notion that you can create these clashes intentionally or hope for them anyway Mm -hmm. and that this will lead to that kind of politicization because for the most part you know there the police are are quite willing to uh, repress um, uh, without people trying to to you know, push it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and out of those moments, most of the time, what you find is people getting depoliticized. Yeah. People don't want to come out to mm-hmm. um, protest where they feel like if the, the cops are going to come out swinging on them. And so, again, I'm, uh, 
what we're really arguing for here is not a sort of liberal notion that, well, you know, those radicals have it wrong um, when they uh, want to sort of, um, when when they uh, decide that militant action makes sense. Uh, there's a, It's a whole different other conversation. The question here really is about being strategic mm-hmm. and um, and looking at what tends to politicize people. And I would say that this actually has the opposite effect. It's very appealing, though, because basically, and I think that one of the reasons people hold on to it is they have this notion that only a small number of people can do something that will politicize a broad number, you know, lots of lots of people without that much work, mm-hmm. without kind of protracted organizing year in, year out, which can be all awfully tedious and unrewarding but Mm -hmm. ultimately is actually really the only way to uh, help shape um, people's political consciousness all right that is the end of the interview with Sasha Lillian James Davis I think her last point was really important um, when you consider that people like to hero worship and say that it's only one person we need a savior especially in the African community we always say well we don't have any leaders you know, that's why we have these problems. Well, we all need to be leaders. We all need to say this is something that we can change and it's not going to happen overnight. OK, I know everybody wants things to happen right away, but it takes it took years and years and decades and centuries to get us in this situation. It's going to take us a long time to get out and you may not see it in your lifetime, but the point is so that we won't be selfish and try to set up a, a, a system, a world where future generations don't have to live like this. If you get yourself out of the equation, you have to understand the whole purpose of human society. It's so that people can live and have their basic needs. And so if you have kids and you say you love your kids, you know, you need to do what's right for them. So anyways, pick up the book it's a great read it's a very important read and if you want to finish listening to this interview in its entirety all you have to do is go to conscientization101.com or c101magazine.com and subscribe today and you will have access to this interview and all c101's interviews so please go to the website and view the subscription benefits for the full details And most importantly, as always, you will be supporting 100% independent media. This episode has featured sounds from Logic and Last Resort. The song is Life's a Hustle from their album, True Talk, the Instrumentals. You also heard from Cyclonius. The song is Fear, False Evidence Appearing Real. And the album has the same title, Fear false evidence appearing real finally you heard from Immortal Technique the fourth branch from his album Revolutionary Volume 2 we want to thank Sasha Lilly and James Davis for taking the time to interview with us we really appreciate it um, and don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Cyan one that's C-O-N S-C-I-E-N the number one on Facebook at Conscientization101 and Instagram at C101 Editors. Thanks again. This is Conscientization101 and we'll see you next time.